this is Dave, and I'm here with Ethan, and together we are Dave and Ethan's 2,000-inch Weird Al podcast, episode 101-inch. On this week's episode, we are joined once again by Weird Al's longtime friend and confidant, Joel Miller. It's Dave and Ethan's 2,000-inch Weird Al podcast. It's a podcast about Weird Al. It's Dave and Ethan's 2,000-inch Weird Al podcast. Seriously, the whole podcast is about Weird Al. You don't have to listen, but we're glad you are. Wow, what an episode last week, Dave. Yeah, there was so much excitement around the episode, and we think we know why. My phone and my Facebook and my email, it was just exploding with messages congratulating us on reaching 100 episodes and people just telling us how pretty stinking majestic and excited they were to hear from so many of our past guests. Yeah, the response to last week's episode was grand. A word of mouth spread quickly, and we know a lot of you tuned in to hear what the fuss was all about and hear those amazing stories from Joel. Well, big welcome to all of our new listeners. You, of course, can find information on how to subscribe and how to listen to all of our back episodes so you can get caught up by heading to our website, weirdalpodcast.com or 2000inch.com. A lot of the comments we received were directly concerning our intern Frank and hearing him speak on the podcast for the very first time. So let's address that right now. From all of us here at Dave and Ethan's 2000 inch Weird Al podcast from the depths of our heart, we want to apologize if hearing Frank's voice was upsetting to you. Trust us. We know how annoying his voice can be, and we have to put up with him every day, so consider yourselves lucky that that was all, just one episode. We promise we will do our best to actively limit how often Frank speaks on the podcast in the future. Well, now that we got that out of the way, we just want to once again tell you how excited we are to not only have hit 100 episodes, but in just about one month, we are going to be hitting our two-year anniversary. To help us celebrate our two-year anniversary, we are going to be having an online concert event with Trevor Strong from the Arrogant Worms. Now, the concert is going to be on our actual two-year anniversary, May 8th, and the concert is going to start at 8 p.m. Burrito Burrito time, 5 p.m. Hollywood Star time. All of our Patreon supporters and their families at the $5 tier or above are invited to join us at no extra cost. Hey, hey guys, can I go to the two-year anniversary concert? No, no Frank. Frank. You're not a Patreon supporter. Well, for anyone else who's not a Patreon supporter, it's not too late. You can join us now by visiting patreon.com slash 2000 inch for an invite to this exclusive concert event. Plus, you'll be supporting our podcast and you'll get all the other perks being a member of the Patreon family will bring. Remember, Patreon family, RSVPs are required as the slots are limited and they're filling up fast. So make sure you let Frank know at frank at 2000inch.com ASAP if you plan to attend. Now, we are excited not only to be having a concert with Trevor Strong, but we are really excited to announce that among the songs he plays, he will be covering weird al songs as part of the concert you do not want to miss it 
And don't worry, folks, even if he somehow does become a Patreon supporter, I promise you our intern Frank will not be there. We will make sure we have some laundry for him to fold or something else going on that night. Yeah, nobody wants to see Frank when you're having a good time. Now, we all know our friend David Grant from episode 87 Inch, including his persona, Sebastian Shepard, author of The Ruins of Our Past. But did you know David Grant also has a comedy rap persona named MC Chalkskin? I did know that. And last Thursday, April 1st, was the 10-year anniversary of MC Chalkskin's debut album, Fresh Donuts. And get this, one of the songs on that album is called Butt Dialed You. (laughs) Oh man, that happens to me all the time. Has it ever happened to you, Ethan? Last week, in fact, I got a butt dial from none other than Beefalo Bill Burke. No way! That's another perk of hosting this podcast. You get butt dials from very important people. Now, you can imagine my surprise, because I thought he was calling to ask me to help sort his photos again. Well, keep trying, Bill. Maybe next time. Ethan, I'm glad you and I can both relate to Butt Dialed You, and I'm sure our listeners can too. Yes, so be sure to check out Butt Dialed You, as well as the other great tracks of Fresh Donuts by MC Chalkskin. Head on over to wolfinwool.com for information about MC Chalkskin and David's other great projects. And be sure to pick up Fresh Donuts on iTunes, Amazon, or wherever digital music is sold. All right, let's move on to this week in Weird Al-related news. Grammy Award-winning Jim Kimo West, best known for writing the official Dave and Ethan's 2000-inch Weird Al podcast theme song, has a brand new single that dropped last Friday called Makina Groove. Now for this song, Kimo says he took his inspiration from the beautiful sunsets at Maui's famed Makina Beach and the peaceful solace in watching the sun dip below the horizon while humpback whales frolic in the distance. It's played on baritone acoustic and standard acoustic guitars using slack key tunings. So be sure to check out Makina Groove. Like all of your songs, Kimo, it's pretty stinking majestic. And there's some other really great Jim Kimo West news In his monthly newsletter, he let everyone know that his brand new CD will be out in June and he'll announce all the details next month. Oh, I can't wait till next month to hear all the details from Jim Kimo West. Here's some other exciting news. The band Green Jelly, a.k.a. Green Jello, has a brand new album coming out called Garbage Band Kids. Now, this is really exciting because it's going to include... Guest musical performances by members of Trailer Park Boys, Suicidal Tendencies, Fishbones, Hacksaw Jim Duggan, plus a special cameo by Weird Al Yankovic. I'm really excited to see how Hacksaw Jim Duggan fits into this release. (laughs) It's going to be really cool. So this new album, it's coming out on CD and it's coming out on vinyl. And there's two different vinyl releases. So if you're a nut like Dave and I and you want to have all the different versions, you can head over and pre-order the album at cleorex.com. And the album will be out on June 4th. Very cool. I'm looking forward to this. This is their first studio album since 2009. So it's been a long time coming and I'm so happy that Hacksaw Jim Duggan and Weird Al Yankovic are both going to be on it. (laughs) Your worlds are colliding, Dave. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Now, unfortunately, we have some sad news to report. 
the legendary Mad Magazine writer Frank Jacobs has passed away. Weird Al fans that are not Mad readers might be familiar with Frank Jacobs' name because Weird Al wrote the foreword to his book, Mad's Greatest Writers, Frank Jacobs, Five Decades of His Greatest Works. In his introduction, Al wrote, Frank Jacobs wrote most of the song parodies for Mad, one of my all-time heroes. From all of us here at Dave and Ethan's 2000-inch Weird Al podcast, Gil and Chill in Peace, Frank Jacobs. You know, Dave, one benefit of reaching 100 episodes is that we can finally get syndicated. Oh, I would love it if we got picked up in syndication, because maybe then Weird Al will add our podcast to the list of other syndicated shows that he sings about in Syndicated Incorporated. Oh, I hope so. You know, we really should have done something special to celebrate 100 episodes. Instead, we just wasted the whole episode on phone calls with our amazing friends, a bunch of our amazing past guests, talking to ourselves in the future, talking to some really cool disc jockeys, and yuck, talking to our intern Frank. <sighs> oh, well. Well, we did save our interview with Joel Miller for a very special occasion, so I think that counts. After all, we hung on to this interview for a really long time. We actually recorded it one whole year ago. Oh, that's true. Well, episode 100 inch was special because that's a big, exciting number, 100. But don't forget, episode 101 inch is a very special episode, too, because 101 is a palindrome. Ooh, and episode 102 inch will be special, too, because, well, um... Hey, you know, I think it's time we pick up this week's interview with Joel Miller already in progress. How many times did you guys, the Valencia All-Stars, play the coffee house together? I think once we would play once a quarter. And then also what started to happen was, and then the second time we played, I decided that I was going to wear a polyester leisure suit. <laughs> uh, <laughs> instead, instead uh, we have pictures of that. It's, it looks disgusting and then i said okay so al stole my uh hawaiian shirt idea and now beck later on would steal my polyester leisure suit idea. Oh, no. <laughs> so i said okay what's next but we um so the second time we played was the next coffee house and it was pretty much more the same thing um i had wrote an original song i had never written a song before Al put it to music. Um, it kind of sucked. I was so, <laughs> I was, it was called June Sale Junkie. Um, and I couldn't remember the name of my own song. I mean, it was time for my song. And Al said, Joel's written his own song. Take it away, Joel. And I, I, I'm blanking. I'm going like, I don't even know the name to my own song. <laughs> and finally, uh, I think he may have prodded me and just kind of whispered, like, it's Junsel Junkie. Oh, it's Junsel Junkie. It's my, 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 my sister. It's, it's, uh. <laughs> and so I, we played it. I don't remember even, I sang and I don't remember even singing. And I'm like, oh, for, you know, I think I need to change my underwear. Now I know how, how <laughs> difficult this whole thing is. And he had also taught me how to play accordion. I knew how to play one song in the accordion. 
Wow. And uh, he, he gave me the accordion, and I, I, I effed that up. <laughs> <laughs> I tried I tried it too t- that was a real showstopper it's like now we got some momentum okay Joel let's kill this whole thing <laughs> so so we went back to uh, I think we had a medley which we finished the show with but what had happened was that the special events committee of the school had caught wind of our performances and they started to ask us to perform before other acts Mm. And one of those acts was a comedy troupe, sketch comedy troupe out of San Francisco called Duck's Breath Mystery Theater. And (laughs) they said, we think you guys would be perfect. It was kind of like Monty Python and all the other sketch comedy um, troops. And you guys would be perfect to warm up for them. You get to move to the auditorium now, which seats a lot more people. And we will pay you. And we go, pay us? They said, yeah, we'll give you $30 for 15 minutes. And we were like, oh, my God, we're getting paid. We didn't even care how much it was. Right. So I remember going up on stage and... um, the and Al, we had written some new stuff for that, and tried. Uh, we had a, our first kind of uh, punk number, and and just just kind of outlandish stuff. And so we start playing, and Al starts playing, and he goes, "Well, the special events committee say that we have to pay play for fifteen minutes." And then we both kind of stopped and looked at our watches for for about a minute. <laughs> we just looked at the watches. And we go, 14 minutes now." <laughs> <laughs> And we were, they, they said, you, this is what you can't do on stage. You can't eat, you can't drink. So, of course, what do I do? I, I bring stuff to drink and I bring stuff to eat. And I ate a banana and threw the, the peel out in the audience. And the guys were just horrified. But it was, it was a lot of fun. Uh, I think Al did at that performance um, uh, the periodic table of the element song. Wow, Tom, Tom wow. Lear, yeah. which was, uh, Al was a huge fan of, of um, Tom Lear. We did that one, we did some other numbers, and then the guys from the Duck's Breath Mystery Theater came up to us after, before they went on stage, and they said, um, so what are your majors? What do you guys do? And we said, we're, we're architecture students. And the guy said, uh, very flippantly, kind of like, eh, stick to architecture. And we're like, what an a-hole. And then, I think it was two years later, they opened for Al. (laughs) Oh, I love it. (laughs) And the guy, like, grabbed Al, I think, around the throat and kind of fake throttled him. He says, I thought I told you to stick to architecture. (laughs) Wow. Yeah, so it was kind of, I remember at that performance, I was supposed to make this costume change. This is before, I mean, Al would do this later on in his career to infinitum. I mean, he's, yeah. he's, um, his, I got to say, his shows, best concerts I've been to in my life. And I'm not saying that because he's one of my good friends. I'm just saying that because he is amazing. Um, I mean, there's different kinds of performances, but dollar for dollar, Weird Al show, I'd rather go to one of those than any other concert in, in the world. Uh, they're so much fun. And he's such a, a great showman. And he's one of the few people that sounds almost the same in concert, doing it live, as he does on the album. Yeah. 
and he doesn't lick, uh, lip sync. And uh, I mean, and he brings it. He brings it. So I remember he called me up once he was in Alaska and he was so sick. And I said, dude, you sound terrible. I mean, don't, don't go on stage, man. You're going to end up in the hospital. He says, they paid to see me and I'm going to give them a show. And he would, he would go out and he would do it. Um, and I lost my train of thought because <laughs> <laughs> I've gone off on a tangent. Well, we were talking a little bit about the sets that you guys were doing. Now, were most of the sets that you guys did together, were they about 15 minutes? Did you ever do anything longer than that? Uh, yeah, between 15 to 20 minutes. I mean, that's all they would allow us. So that's we had um, we had time limitations. They wouldn't they wouldn't allow us to, to go any longer than that. So that was kind of written in stone, and we would uh, we would try to go longer, and then you know they would give us a look or or <laughs> I don't think they ever cut the mics off, but um, <laughs> that was like you kind of remember the old vaudeville hook, yeah, right. <laughs> like, All right, kids, you bother me. Get off the stage. But it was a lot of fun, and so we started uh, to do a lot more stuff for the special events committee, and then. There was um, a competition. Well, there was a couple things that happened. One of the things that happened was that there was, I was home for Christmas break, and there was an ad in the paper that said, uh, there's a new show called The Dream Thing. Now, The Dream Thing never came to fruition, but it said, tell us your wildest dream, and we'll try to make it come true, and we'll film it for a new NBC pilot show. Hmm. And so I wrote to them, this is back when you wrote, uh, I wrote to them, uh, they said, you know, three wishes. So I said, okay, first thing I want to do is play, uh, touch football on the white house lawn. Uh, that didn't work. Uh, I said, second one was I wanted to go behind the scenes at Disneyland and see all the audio animatronic stuff. And that one didn't work. And the third one, I said, I want to play my bongos with my good friend, Al Yankovic, who plays accordion on the tonight show. <laughs> and so a couple of weeks later, I get a call from this lady. I still remember her name, Barbara Price. And she said, hi, Joel, this is Barbara Price from the dream thing. And I didn't know what she was talking about. Right. And she says, you wrote, you wrote to us. <laughs> and I said, oh yeah, yeah. So which one do I get to do? <laughs> and she says, none of them. And I go, what? And she says, but we, we, you and your friend can perform at a comedy club called the Improvisation on Melrose in Los Angeles. And it's, it's actually now pretty famous, the improv. Right. So, uh, yeah. we're going to be filming there. One of the ladies that we're going to film, she wants to be a uh, magician's assistant and you'll be the second act. And then there's a person that just wants to do some stand up. And so I go, well, my friend is up, you know, up in central California. Al had a part-time job at a classical radio station being a DJ. Hmm. And I said, I don't know if, if he has the time. So I, I called him. She says, well, here's my number. Call me. And I called him and I said, Hey, we have this chance to blah, blah, blah. He says, I'll be right down. <laughs> it was just like, I'll be down. <laughs> I said, what about, what about your show? I don't care about the show. I don't, I don't care. <laughs> so he, uh, he got a friend to substitute for him. And then he drove his car at the speed of light <laughs> and met me at the, at the improv and we were pretty much were doing um, 
our act that we had done at the first coffee house because we knew that was solid and people really enjoyed that. Mm -hmm. And so they had a, a sound check and they had, this is the first time before we performed in front of cameras and, and an audience like that at a comedy. We're actually on stage at a real comedy club. And I remember they did the sound check and they did some uh, videotaping and there was just about three or four people in there and we went up and we did our act so they could get blocking off and stuff. This is where you guys need to sit and this is where blah, blah. Yeah. And nobody laughed. Nobody laughed. And we were just <laughs> oh, no. doing our thing. And we oh. looked at each other. We go, we suck. It's This is terrible. <laughs> like Al almost didn't want to stay. I mean, we were both like, this is going to be terrible. And... um but with an audience and people that had been drinking, uh, it, it went over. It went over really, really well. And um, I remember the the owner of the club came up to us afterward and kind of you know introduced. But he didn't want to hire us to do anything. And later on, when I think Al would perform there, the owner of the club came up to him and and introduced himself. And Al says, "You know, I was here already. I." So the guy didn't even remember that we were there, but the show never got picked up. So we never got to see footage and I don't even know if it exists anymore, but that was um, kind of the first time that we had had something that was outside of the school. And okay. uh, we, we thought that maybe, Ooh, this is, you always think this is my big break. You know, somebody's going to see it and we're going to get, we're going to get to star in our own movie and we're going to do this and we're going to do that. And we're going to do this. <laughs> no, it just like, but then we stayed and we saw some really, well, I, I came back like the next week just to go to the comedy place. And I saw some comedians I'd never seen before. One would turn out to be a young comedian named Jerry Seinfeld and the other guy would be a comedian named Michael Richards. Wow. And oh, wow. with and and Jerry was terrific and he was so pithy and he was his observational humor was so spot on and the way that he did his act, the ebb and flow and his timing was just impeccable. I was really impressed by him. And then Michael Richards was just this ball of energy that would throw him <laughs> himself around the stage and I was trying to wear contact lenses at the time. And I laughed so hard that they popped out of my eyes, and and I could not I could not get them back in, and I think my friend had to drive me back home. And then when it came time for Al to cast his movie UHF, I said, "There's two guys that I saw that I think would be unbelievable. This guy named Jerry Seinfeld." which later on went to David Bowe, um, his mm. sidekick in the movie UHF, and, right. and this guy named Michael Richards. And so Al reached out to both of them. Now, Jerry had just won, I think, the National Young Comedians Award or something, so he was you couldn't approach him. It's mm -hmm. like they wanted, either he wasn't available or he wanted too much money, but Michael said, yeah, I think I'd, I'd love to do that. And um, probably regrets it now <laughs> now but but i remember seeing michael at uhf and the screen just was electric electric every time that he he you know was was on and uh, really helped elevate that movie 
uh, to places that it ordinarily wouldn't have gone. His performance as Stanley Spadowski was was amazing. That is incredible. I'd never heard that before. <laughs> yeah, that that whole thing. We actually Al brought over um, the videotapes of the. He had a little screen test for the people that he wanted as his romantic interest, mm-hmm. and so we watched them uh, just you know sitting on my living room floor. And I liked uh, a young atri- actress by the name of Terry Hatcher. And <laughs> uh-huh. Al, Al was like, nah. There was Ellen DeGeneres, believe it or not. <laughs> wow. Had wow. had tried out. And I go, she's really cute, but you guys have like no chemistry. <laughs> no chemistry. <laughs> and um, there was Terry Copeland, who was in a show called you, We Have It Made, I think. She was... Um, very very attractive um there was a couple others that i liked but i liked terry hatcher the best and then victoria jackson would be the one that al chose because she had a lot of on-screen experience from saturday live right and uh victoria was uh had a lot to do with al being able to talk to kurt cobain uh because i believe that kurt was on Saturday Night Live and that Victoria, I think, went up to him. I don't know if this is correct or not, but I think she said, my friend Al Yankovic would like to do one of your songs. So um, she, I believe that she was the one that dialed Al and that got Kurt on the phone to, to speak to Al for Smells Like Nirvana. It's so amazing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> She was very sweet. She was she was very very nice, um, and she lived uh, in here in L.A. for a while, and we would go over and visit her every once in a while. But I think she's she's back. I think she's in Florida now. All right. Well, since you brought it up, I want to ask you a little bit about UHF. And uh, there is a character in UHF, little Joel Miller, who finds the oh uh, yeah in the oatmeal. <laughs> <laughs> And then drinks from the fire hose. <laughs> yeah. That that came from Al and I used when he was on campus radio. Uh, we did some characters, and uh, I did. This was during the height of what was called the Iranian hostage crisis. The Iranian um, government had um, seized the American embassy in Iran and was holding hostage. I forgot how many people. It was very, very tense, and so I decided, of course, I decided that I was going to do a radio character called the Ayatollah Yuso, which was the <laughs> Ayatollah Khomeini's younger brother who was uh, had escaped from Iran and was hiding out in the United States, and I did social commentary on the differences between Iran, uh, uh, his... Uh, his view of things and the American view of things. So Al used to just call me up and say, here's the subject. You've got like 10 minutes to come up with stuff. (laughs) And Al was the perfect, perfect straight man. He was amazing. (laughs) And so it was a whole riff about uh, 4th of July and, I had come up with stuff, some stuff like, I don't understand you Americans and you, we go to the 4th of July celebrations and you, you set up all these booths, like uh, you have a booth where you throw a ping pong ball into some cups and you win, uh, what do you win? You win a teddy bear and the, the, the eyes come off and the kids choke on them, I don't understand 
what you guys are doing. He says, why don't you have any practical booths? And Al says, what do you mean practical booths? He says, well, you know, like, um, spit on gopher. 50 cents, spit on gopher. <laughs> and I would say, well, well, what do you win? You don't win anything. It's, it's just uh, spit on gopher. It's for <laughs> satisfaction of spitting on gopher. <laughs> So Al goes, that's interesting. you have any other booths? Uh, yes. Drink from the fire hose. <laughs> this is very popular, you know, with the old, with the old folks. So um, that's where, where, that's where that came from. Wow. And then the, and then one of them was, was of course, um, find the marble in the oatmeal. <laughs> So all of those, all of those were combined together for that one scene. And as kind of an homage, Al used my name. And I remember um, my, my dad, uh, may he rest in peace. My dad also loved to be in Al's videos when Al needed an, a quote unquote older person to be in some of his music videos. He would always ask my dad. And my dad, but was, he was always game. He played uh, Fred Mertz in the Ricky video. Oh wow! But oh, wow! Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was it was very cool. But um, I remember that it it was always kind of a big deal to make things as funny as possible, but also make them kind of archaic and do things that people weren't really expecting. And that's what we tried to do in those those pieces, especially the thing like, uh, you know, spit on gopher and <laughs> the the find the marble in the oatmeal. Um, and we got away with that for quite a long time until uh, I think management got a little bit antsy about because we were right on the edge of being politically incorrect. <laughs> And, and Al also had, the radio station was run in a particular manner and they had different songs, which had to be played so many times per hour. So they did it with right. a color coded system, like a blue dot's got to be played this many times and a red dot's got to be played this many times. And Al did whatever the heck he wanted to do. <laughs> and so that combined with, we started to get a little bit too edgy the management finally said, um, we think it would be in your best interest to uh, step down. <laughs> so he also, very early in his career, there were some things that, that they didn't take very kindly to. Somebody called in and said that they were director of school operations and that school was, it had been raining very hard, that school was canceled the next day. And, and Al didn't even check with anybody and he just oh, announced... No. I just heard it from campus operations. School is canceled, and the the campus the campus police showed up. Oh man! And I think they like detained him and said, "Look, oh, Mister no. Funny Man, it's not so funny now, is it?" So, but there was a there was a big deal because he had a following at that point. Um, and it was a big deal for him to be relieved of duty, so to speak. But mm -hmm. in hindsight, it was the best thing that would ever happen to him because he said he would have been very content to have been a DJ and not to really pursue the music mm. thing. He just really had mm. 
uh, a good time being a DJ. And uh, during the summers, he would DJ for, I think, a, a local radio station. And he would have been very happy, um, you know, doing his thing. Um, and luckily, I, I, I always said, uh, luckily he got fired. Right. <laughs> luckily. We wouldn't be here talking yeah, right now if he had yeah, fired. Yeah, yeah. That's right. <laughs> yeah. And it, it was, it's, um, it was always interesting to see. I mean, some things, if you believe in fate, you believe in preordained, you believe... And I always say that Al is one of the few people on earth. Now, there are quite a few of these people, but um, some people are doing exactly what they should be doing. Right. And and I think Al is one of those people that is doing exactly what he should be doing. And it, and like I said, it brings so much uh, joy to everybody that uh, the sum of its parts is so much greater than um, than we know. So one thing I've been wondering is where did Jammin Joel Miller come from? The the name? The name. <laughs> Just Al gave me that name one time. <laughs> <laughs> Would he introduce you as Jammin Joel Miller? Uh, he introduced me the first time as, ladies and gentlemen, Joel Miller and it's Bluegrass Bongos. <laughs> because, because everybody had been playing uh, Bluegrass all night long. And actually what had happened after that, after that performance, so the place went kind of nuts and um, the Cash Valley Drifters get up there because everybody come to see them and the lead singer goes to the microphone and he says, I'm not as funny as the kid with the bongos and I'm not as talented as the kid with the accordion, so what the <laughs> F am I doing up here? <laughs> and everybody's like, boo! <laughs> wow. He was, they were really pissed off. It's like, how do you follow that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we ended up going to McDonald's and having some French fries. That was our celebration. <laughs> that was back when Al still still ate things that were fried in, in animal fat. Right. <laughs> but I think he just gave me the name Jam and Joel Miller one time, and it just kind of stuck. So are you still playing bongos and, and making music? I have not played in probably over 20 years. Wow, okay. And I'm a, I'm a what Al has described once and myself uh, included as a very good living room bongo player. But that's <laughs> that's about where my skill set ends and I was just thinking about it today because um for the the first uh album in 1983 the the you know Weird Al Yankovic. Yeah. Uh, I yeah. played on two songs. I played on Ricky and I played on Got a Boogie and um uh, I, they just let me play. They just said, do your thing, just play. And so I, I just just played, and I had a really, uh, it was a gas. And that's also where I met, um, for the first time, you know, Bermuda and Jim West and Steve J. Uh, Ruben wasn't with the band at that time. Right. Uh, right. And those guys are so, in, they're incredible musicians, and they're also just incredible people. And I think one of Al's superpowers is that he's able to get the right people around him. And he's incredibly um, good at that. And he's incredibly loyal once you're in the inner circle. I mean, and you, you've proved that you've got chops and you can do your thing. He'll hang on to you forever. 
but he also, he just got really, I mean, these guys are just terrific. So I met them for the first time and just felt so at home and at ease with them. And they just, we all performed in the same room at the same time. They just put these little uh, partitions between us, like these sound partitions. Okay. And so with little windows, so we could see what each other was doing. And of course, I I messed up because they told me, show up at the recording studio at eight o'clock. So I thought it meant eight o'clock in the morning. So <laughs> oh, no. that, that's not when rock and roll people record. So I show up and there's just the security guard and there's nobody there. And I said, I'm here for the Al Yankovic recording thing. And he looks at me, he goes, that's eight o'clock tonight. And I go, oh, crap. And he goes, something, I'm walking away. He goes, like, white people are so stupid. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, oh, okay. So I came back, and I just had so much fun recording and meeting all those guys. Uh, But the second album, Weird Al Yankovic in 3D, which I think was in 1984, I performed on Mr. Popeil, and they just we did a run through and I did my thing and I played and they go, well, that's not what we want. And I said, well, that's how I play the song. And they go, no, that's not what we want. We want you to play the congas and we want you to do it like this. And it was very boring. It was just bop, 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 bop. Well, I was screwing up all the time. It was just too slow for me. And I, I just wasn't having a good day. And, uh, so then I realized I kind of sucked donkey d- on that on that on that whole thing. I don't know if I can say that, but um, I I didn't do well, and I realized it was not going to be my vocation. That there were uh, very few times where uh, people were banging down the door for professional bongo players, um, and. By then, I was enmeshed in the computer business. One of my family members had opened up a store, and they wanted me to go in the computer business with them. And I uh, thought that it would be a good direction to go because um, trying to make a living playing professional bongos, I thought wasn't in the cards for me. Although the very first time that we performed, uh, or I shouldn't say performed, when we recorded, there was a gentleman that was in look like a big hair rock and roller. I didn't know who he was. And it would turn out that he was the drummer for Rod Stewart. And he was at, they were doing a recording session or something at the facility at Cherokee Studios. And uh, he came up to me after I had done my thing. And he says, you, sir, are a white funk machine. (laughs) And I go, well, thank you. Thank you very much. And he shakes my hand. He says, you ought to come by sometime and play with us. And I'm going like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> Just like, I don't know who you are. He had the snaggle tooth, you know, the gold chains and the big hair and the whole thing. And I'm going, that guy's a, you know, I was going like, yeah, whatever. And Alex says, do you know who that was? I said, I have no idea. So he told me who it was. And I go like, yeah, so whatever. <laughs> whatever. <laughs> whatever. But yeah, there's not, I haven't played, in answer to your question, I haven't played probably in over 20 years. I'm in a condominium complex, and when you get loud here, people like, eh. <laughs> Feet come uh, through walls. <laughs> yeah, it's it's kind of, and besides my my bong, uh, bongos are busted, I need to put new um, skins on them, mm-hmm. uh, which I've done a couple times before, and 
basically the reason that I play bongos is that my parents wouldn't allow me to play drums. <laughs> and they got me the bongos. It was for my night. It was a present for my 19th birthday. I asked for bongos and they were stupid enough to get them for me. And, um, I would just, I, I taught myself how to play. I don't read music, which probably is another reason why I wouldn't be a good professional <laughs> bongo player. Um, but Al was nice enough to, um, allow me to perform with him. And, um, like I said, the, the best part about it was the rehearsal and just exchange of ideas. And if you can imagine, you know, just sitting around and, and jamming and coming up with new ideas and bouncing them off each other. And Al then coming back a week later, like, I got it. <laughs> and always, you know, it was always like, Oh, holy, holy crap. You know, this, this is amazing. <laughs> Can you tell us anything about the recording for the famous Placebo EP? Oh, my God. Well, I mean, the Got a, Got a Boogie demo, I don't know if it was recorded in the studio or we just recorded it with... Al did have a reel-to-reel um, uh, recorder, mm-hmm. and I remember he saved his money up. I think it was 50 bucks, which back then was a lot of money, and he answered an ad, and a guy had... Uh, the reel to reel, and we we got in one of my roommates' cars, and we drove for quite a long time through these just out in the boonies, and it was almost like a log cabin. It was like this person was was living off the grid almost, and it was <laughs> so it was so creepy that we thought we were all gonna. It was like Deliverance or something that <laughs> all of us were gonna end up in a ditch or or in a scene you know, in a Quentin Tarantino movie or something. <laughs> and Al, Al, the guy says, you know, this is how it works. And you turn this thing. I was like, here, here's your money. Does it, and he just kind of like threw the money on the bed and we grabbed it. We ran to the car and said, God, this is creepy. I thought we were going to die. <laughs> and so we probably recorded on his, his reel to reel, which was one of his very, very coveted, you know, pieces of equipment, because that's what he did everything on until he got a little bit more. Uh, I think he signed his first contract and then he bought a little, uh, which I used to call the porta potty, a little um, home uh, portable, <laughs> a little portable studio. It might have been like four, four tracks or something at first. Mm-hmm. Which like it was like we have four tracks, we can we can isolate stuff. This is amazing. But it met, might have been on on that. And then when we did Yoda for the first time, uh, I used to do the Yoda voice. Like it, I used to kind of riff some Yoda stuff, and then my my voice would be just trashed for the next week you know and then i go ow 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 how does frank oz do that for such a long time he's like probably bleeding out of his ears so i'm going to ask you about some of these other songs that i i did research on and found out that you performed on and let me know if you can Uh-oh. tell me what you remember about them oh probably nothing <laughs> there's this song <laughs> called the beverly hillbillies miss you oh yeah i i don't i don't think i had anything to do with that well we did it we we definitely did it in in concert before al did it for um uhf yeah so we used to do we used to do that song in concert all the time and you know, there was 
it's off of the famous uh, Stones song. So I used to sing a little bit on it, but that was the range of what I was able to, to sing. <laughs> I had no range. <laughs> I was not a Power Ranger. I was just a one ranger, <laughs> single ranger. I didn't actually like singing that much. Uh, as a child, when they would line you up and you'd sing like God Bless America or something and, and they would pull the good people out to put them like in choir or whatever. It was like they would pull me out to sit me down. <laughs> it's like, I'm like, oh, I'm going to be in choir. No, please sit down. <laughs> please, please don't open your mouth again, please. <laughs> please, birds are falling out of the sky, please. <laughs> Yeah, but we used to do that. We definitely did that in, in concert before okay. it was, um, he did that, I believe, in UHF. Right. He retooled it a little bit for UHF, right? And he, he did Money for Nothing with uh, the Beverly yes. Hillbillies. Yeah. 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 But that was kind of the precursor to that song. Mm -hmm. Did you have any involvement with Won't Eat Prunes Again? <laughs> no, other other than playing the, the bongos on it and... Um, listening to like there's a drum solo in the middle of the song and al said um you need to learn this <laughs> <laughs> and then my roommates would be like what the hell is he doing <laughs> i was i was famous for having terrible timing and knowing where to come in on things and um it was, I think they used to take side bets as to whether or not I was going to screw up. And so it's like, you think he's going to come in on time? I don't know. He's never come in on time before, but it could happen. It could happen. But so I would learn on Don't Eat Prunes Again. I would, um, we performed that live, I think the very first time at um, a place called the Geodesic Dome, which was in a little area called Poly Canyon from uh, Cal Poly San Luis Obispo. Poly Canyon was about two miles away from school on a dusty little road. <laughs> and it was where they had what was called freshman holiday. When you were an architecture student, um, you would spend two days in Poly Canyon, uh, basically giving free labor. So you would mix concrete or you would do whatever. So we did all kinds of new construction uh, ideas. And they had built a geodesic dome up there. And that's where they used to come together uh, when they needed to make any kind of announcements with large groups of people. And we also knew that um, people were exhausted from working all day. And we decided that it would be a good idea to uh, uh, for us to perform. Uh, for everybody at the geodesic dome after a hard day of work. Hmm. So um, that that was one of the few places that it was performed. And also Al had written a song called The Archie, which was um, off of The Boxer by um, um, Bridge Over Trouble Water guys, um, Paul Simon and Art yeah. Garfunkel. And uh, it was a song about being an architecture student and actually kind of serious about how much pain and effort you had to go through to suffer for your art. And it, I think it was the first and only time that that song was ever performed. And the dean of the School of Architecture happened to be there that night. <laughs> and 
later on, um, I only saw that guy once when he was a very nice man, a guy named Dean, ha Dean Haslin, who is now no longer with us. But I got called into his office because I was trying to run track and field. I was a track and field athlete. And uh, I was a walk-on. I had done well in um, high school and a little bit in junior college, and I wanted to be on the track team. And he said, you have to make your mind up. Um, you can't be a track athlete, and you you can't you know do your bongos, and you can't do architecture all at the same time. And I've seen you at, at the track, and frankly, you're not that good. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so I go, well, thanks a lot. Later on, uh, he would write Al such a nice note about how proud he was of him being an architecture student, but yet following his heart and how much um, he, how much joy that he had brought to everybody. And with his, he was very proud of Al and his career and stuff. He's just a very nice man. Wow. But he he remembers seeing us at. Um, we were afraid that we were in trouble for doing that. <laughs> doing that song kind of berating the architecture profession and, and how much you had to, how much you had to give up. It's almost like the born identity when, uh, you know, one, one operative is out to another and the guy says, see, see how much you make the, you see how much they make you give. And then he dies. And it was kind of like one of those things. It was like, see how much they make you give. But so that's one of the more obscure songs that I don't think, um, I think it exists someplace. Cause I know Al's got that recording. Um, he had loaned that there's, he made, uh, backups of like his, uh, radio station. Oh, yeah. And also some some of our performances. Sadly, sadly, um, he gave me that one with the geodesic dome performance on it, and he had a lot of the cassettes in his car, and he would listen to them. And he got his car stolen, Ooh. and they he got the car back in pieces, and all the the tapes were gone. Oh man! So oh, no. all of those memories were gone forever, and I said, "Dude, I still have a couple of your original recordings." So I then uh, made them into CDs and gave him back the originals along with a CD copy, and all of our like comedy bits and stuff were were lost, and oh. uh, it was it was kind of sad. He was really really bummed. He goes like, "Wow, and I'm never gonna get that stuff." And the person that stole the car, he says, "You could have the car. Just bring back my, right. my tapes." Right, right. Oh man. Yeah. Who? Yeah. That was it. Was it was a bummer. They live in my mind. <laughs> <laughs> there, there is a song that uh, that I've heard about. It's called "If I Could Make Love to a Bottle." Oh yeah. <laughs> what can you tell us about that not so much a song as it is a social statement <laughs> and uh, that's about as raunchy as Al would ever get you know by by making all these kind of inferred um, deals mm -hmm. and um, it was fun to do stuff like that it was fun to take a detour and I think one of the great things about comedy is that you you go in one direction, you do you set things up, and then when you go in a completely different direction, that's where the magic is. And there's a movie, I believe it's called Sunshine Boys, or I think it's, no, not Sunshine Boys. Well, it's Billy Crystal, and David Paymer, I think, is 
they're two brothers and they're comedians and they always they always say like see what i did there <laughs> so it's it's all about it's all about the misdirection so the whole thing about that song with um if i could make love to a bottle uh, search the world through and find one of the exact same circumference as you or something like that um <laughs> It was a way that Al could be edgy without, you know, being too obscene. It, you could just make up whatever filth you wanted to in your own mind. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, he liked doing stuff like that. He liked doing, mis- well, that's what comedy is. Comedy is misdirection. Right. One thing that had struck me in the New York Times article was Sam Anderson saying that even Suzanne has never heard elsewhere. Knowing Al for as long as you have, have you ever heard Al use an expletive? Uh, ah, so exciting. We need to stop the interview right there. And I mean, it's a total coincidence that it's a cliffhanger. But we will be back next week with the final part of our exciting, amazing, incredible three-part interview with Joel Miller. Oh no, that thing is going to explode. Quick, quick, we need to start playing them. Well, you know what that sound means. It means we have a message on the 347 Spatula Hotline. It sounds like we have a whole bunch of messages on the 347 Spatula Hotline. The 347 Spatula Hotline, the official hotline of Dave and Ethan's 2000 Inch Weird Al podcast, is sponsored by Angel Valenzuela and David Cash, two amazing Weird Al fans and podcast supporters. Quick, Frank, hit play! Hey, Dave and Ethan, it's Joe Jaffa, your friendly local Jackbox host and beer reviewer. I'm calling to say happy 100 inches. Here's the next 127 more. Thanks, guys. Keep up the good work. Dave and Ethan, congratulations on this major milestone, 100 episodes. So excited for you. Last week's episode was amazing. Joel Miller was amazing. You guys are amazing. I, I wrote a I wrote a haiku to celebrate a haiku for you. That was the first line of it. This is the last line. Okay, bye. Hey, Dave and Ethan, congratulations on your 100th episode. You both are bodacious. Hey, is your podcast still running? Well, you better go and catch it. Just kidding. Hello, CB Johnny here, wishing you the utmost regards towards another 100 episodes for your podcast. You've delivered unique and quality content that appeals to avid Weird Al fans since your very first episode. And honestly, I'm sure that your future has at least 127 more. Thank you for being a shining example of what fan communities can achieve with ambition, skill, imagination, some networking, and a little bit of trust. All my love to you guys. Thank you for brightening a lot of Wednesdays. I am looking for a vegan Mexican restaurant, Burrito Burrito in Toy, New York, home of the two-pound double wrap and the quesadilla Burrito Burrito. I want to go on down to Burrito Burrito and Burrito Burrito, my Burrito Burrito. I found them at burritosquared.com and at Burrito Squared on Instagram. Remember, not every burrito is a burrito, 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 but every burrito, burrito, burrito can be burrito, burrito. This is your old buddy Chris from Canada, you know, the cartoon-loving geek, and I just have to give you guys something special to say congratulations on all your hard-earned success. So, here we go. Okay, fellas, hit it! Ah, yes, the perfect celebratory music for a perfect celebration. 100 episodes. Wow, you guys are truly the greatest. 
when it comes to Weird Al, you guys truly know your stuff, and you know how to entertain. That's the way to do it. All I can say is, keep up the good work, keep on with the laughter, keep your feet on the ground, keep your head in the sky, keep your hands out of your pants, because frankly that's disgusting, and always make sure, for the next 200 episodes or more, make sure you keep a can of weasel repellent nearby, because you never can tell when you might just get a starving crazed weasel who... uh, Oh, son of a... Uh, gotta go, bye! No, no, Hey, Dave and Ethan and intern Frank. This is Dustin Jablonski calling out of Indiana. Just want to say congratulations on reaching your 100th episode. And I just want to tell you how much I appreciate your podcast. I mean, without your podcast, I'd probably be this miserable, worthless hunk of slime. Or maybe just a one-celled amoeba. Or maybe just a paramecium waving my flagella all around. Or I'd just be this miserable kangaroo just hop, hop, hopping around. But instead, I'll continue to listen to your podcast. Great job, guys. I look forward to more episodes. Hi, guys. It's Jackson Scoggins, guest of episode number 69, time traveler extraordinaire. I was just going to say congrats on getting to 100 episodes. Pretty cool. I guess that's it. Peace, y'all. Hey, fellas. It's Jake Larson. Uh, as I'm sure you know, I'm a bit behind on the episode, but uh, from what I've heard, it seems like you two really, really know what you're talking about. So uh, congrats on 100 episodes, and I can't wait to get caught up. Oh, crap. Hang up, hang up, hang up, hang up. Oh, wow. That was awesome. Hey, fellas, this is Zeb. I, I realize you provided plenty of notice for how amazing episode 100 inch would be, but I did not adequately prepare myself. Um, I heard it early Wednesday, and I was so excited, I was fairly worthless the rest of the day. I I should have taken it off. Actually, I should probably take every Wednesday off. Anyway, really great show. Joel's stories were amazing, and it was super fun to hear from all those people earlier in the show. Yeah, and it was kind of cool to finally hear Frank's voice. Maybe maybe it's because I've interacted with him uh, via email, but he sounded really familiar. I was chatting with some some people trying to figure it out, and... um, Kenneth thought that he recognized the voice from someone he met at a Weird Al show, maybe. Anyway, whatever he's doing for the show, it's working. I mean, without letting it go to his head, of course, he should revel in the success of the show a little, too. Oh, and I can't help but notice that your podcast doesn't seem to have one currently, so I think you should reconsider Steve's offer to be your inchworm. Anyway, amazing stuff, fellas. Congratulations on 100 inches. And I can't wait for next Wednesday. it's chad you know your uh guest from uh 34 inch uh metal owl yeah i just wanted to say uh congratulations on a hundred episodes wow the big one zero zero plus zero good luck with the other 1900 to go bye hello dave and ethan this is your friend vincent anderson and congratulations on 100 episodes yeah Congratulations. Goodbye. 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 Well, thank you so much to everyone for calling in to celebrate our exciting 100th episode. That was pretty stinking majestic. Thank you, everyone who called. Yeah, from all of us here at Dave and Ethan's 2000 Inch Weird Al podcast, we really appreciate your support. Oh, 
I guess we got some more. Well, let's let's listen. Hi, Dave and Ethan. It's your good pal, Jason Alchel, your guest from episode 47 Inch. Hey, happy 100 inches. That's so awesome. I wanted to call for two reasons. The first was I, I really like the noise you play when you get voicemails, so there's that. And then secondly, I was trying to think of what I should get you guys for your 100-inch present. And I was thinking, hey, these guys probably like money. So I was thinking I could send you both five bucks and call it a day. But then I was like, wait a minute. If I join your Patreon, I could send you $5 every month for the rest of my life or until my credit card expires. So I did. And as a special bonus for me, I can stop feeling so left out at the end of every podcast when you thank your Patreon supporters because now I'm one of them. Anyhow, congrats on 100 inches. Here's to 2,700 stinking majestic more. Bye. Thank you, Jason, and thank you for joining our pretty stinking majestic Patreon family. And just for you, here's your very own spatula hotline noise. Oh no, when that played, we got another call. Hey, Dave and Ethan, this is Allison Parsons. I just wanted to say congrats on 100 inches. That episode was really funny. I liked it a lot. One really interesting thing I noticed was when you were dialing numbers on Frank's phone, one of the numbers you dialed was the number that was dialed in phony calls. Like, it was the same touch tones. I, I recognize those beeps and boops anywhere. So I, I really appreciate the little, little Easter eggs like that. Oh, yeah, I almost forgot to mention, you guys should really let Frank talk more often. He sounds like a really cool guy. Keep up the good work, guys. Now, Allison, I think you... You are in the minority there. Trust us, no one wants to hear our intern Frank talk any more than absolutely necessary. Though that was a great catch with the phony calls reference. We weren't sure if anyone would recognize those beeps and boops. And there are some other Easter eggs hidden in episode 100 inch. So if anyone listening catches any more, be sure to call them in. Ah, they just keep coming. All right, let's check it out. Hey, Dave and Ethan, or who knows? I haven't listened for a little while since last Wednesday. This uh, my show might actually be hosted by the Tarantula and some other schlub. Anyway, I have binge listened to every single one of your episodes all the way up to episode 100 inch. And I just want to congratulate you on a fantastic episode. By the way, this is David Grant, also known as author Sebastian Shepard. Should have said that at the beginning, but that's okay. This is right off the top of my head. I want to give you the definitive top 10 inches of your show. So here we go. Number 10, 36 inch with Cheryl Northrup, the former Weird Al publicist. It would have been higher up, but uh, she thought that Al really forgot the lyrics during Albuquerque. Come on, <laughs> come on. Number nine, 40 inches, Jonah Ray live. Fantastic live episode. Number eight, 95 inches, photographer Robin Von Wank. What an awesome chick he is. Number seven, 59-inch, Tad Dow, president of Rock and Roll Records. I've met that man. He has some incredible stories. Number six, 35-inch, Sean James, Al's hair and makeup artist. What a cool dude he seems like he is. Number five, 37-inch. Lisa Popeil, part one. I liked part two, too, but I had to pick one. I liked part one a little bit better. Number four, 72-inch, Beefalo Bill Burke. What a cool guy that guy is. He's an amazing human being. Number three, one more minute. Wait, oh, nope, that's the wrong definitive list. I'm sorry. Number three, 17-inch, Vicky DeVries rhymes with when we talked about the uh, the star ceremony, what an amazing episode that was. Number two, okay, we're in the top two. 
These are the best episodes. Number two, 27-inch unreleased Weird Al music with John Bermuda Schwartz. John's always a great guest, but that was by far my favorite of all of his appearances. And the number one episode, of course, we all know, was 100 Inches, starring Joel Miller and absolutely no one else. Literally just Joel Miller, and you could have gotten somebody as a special guest for that one. It would have been a, a really memorable episode. I do want to give out honorable mentions to Bill Mooney, Dror Soros, Frank from the Bank, and the other two of Al's gals. It was a tough list, but it is the definitive list. There is no arguing. Uh, the worst episode was clearly 87 inches. Who wants to listen to that first? Idiot, just babble on, over on and on and on awkwardly. Anyway, once again... Dave Grant, great show. Wolfandwool.com. You don't have to do an ad spot on this episode. I guess this would be it. Oh, Dave, we already did an ad spot. Anyway, David, thank you so much for calling. Yes, David, thank you for calling. It was a tough list to put together, but thank you for sharing your list with us. And after you listen to episode 101 inch, you might change your rankings. So feel free to call back with an updated list every week. And if anyone else wants to share their definitive top 10 inches feel free to call 347 spatula or post your list over on our facebook group at group.2000inch.com wow the calls just keep coming in it sounds like we got another one all right frank let's patch this one through hey fellas it's seb again sorry to keep bugging you but i was trying to wait for next wednesday and having a bit of trouble um and then i remembered a hilarious song by andy corwin and steve goody that came out a few months ago so I tweaked a few words of their song, and I thought you might appreciate it. Oh, okay. Well, Frank says Zeb actually emailed us an MP3, so uh, good thing Frank's here to push play. Let's listen to it, Frank. You know, life can be pretty exhausting and brutal, so we wanted to make a song to celebrate a really positive respite that doesn't get the special attention that it truly deserves. Have a happy, happy Wednesday. It's a special time of week. When new podcasts are dropping and life no longer seems so bleak, let's open up our smartphones and our headphones deploy and wait for Dave and Ethan to provide our lives with joy. You know, Wednesdays are like a pretty stinking majestic oasis in the middle of an endless desert. And in this song, we try to incorporate all of the family traditions that people associate with Wednesdays. Wednesday comes just once a week, but do not shed a tear. with spam cheese buds and grout once you've queued the new show and put that chainsaw down they'll regale you with tales of vow and wipe away that frown happy wednesday happy wednesday happy wednesday <laughs> Wow, Zeb, thank you for such an incredible song parody. It is perfect. From all of us here at Dave and Ethan's 2000 Inch Weird Al podcast, happy Wednesday.
This week's episode is brought to you in part by Discover Darwin, promoting tourism in Darwin, Minnesota. Not only is historic Darwin, Minnesota uh, beautiful, it's also electric. Darwin, Minnesota is home to Bonniewell Electric. If you need an electrician on your construction site exactly two days from now, Bonniewell Electric is really the best option. Now, why would you say that, Ethan? Because Candy Crooks gives Bonnewell Electric five stars and says, During this pandemic, it's been impossible to get an electrician to our construction site. I called Bonnewell, and he was here in two days! Now, I know this segment is about Darwin and Bonnewell Electric, but can we just pause a moment to acknowledge how pretty stinking majestic the name Candy Crooks is? Candy Crooks? It sounds like a villain from the old Batman TV series. You know, you've got the Joker, the Riddler, Penguin, Catwoman, and Candy Crooks. Now, we here at Dave Nathan's 2000 Inch Weird Al podcast are definitely not accusing Candy Crooks of any wrongdoing. But we do want to take this opportunity to remind you that it's always a good idea to keep an eye on your sugary treats while you're visiting Darwin. And don't ever give your brand new Instamatic to people named Bernie. So visit Darwin, Minnesota on your next expedition. Discover Darwin more than just a twine ball. And after you visit Darwin, Minnesota, be sure to visit discoverdarwin.biz. Each and every week, we're able to bring you this podcast absolutely free thanks to sponsors like Burrito Burrito, Angel Valenzuela and his son David Cash, Discover Darwin, Jackson Scoggins, David Grant, and our amazing close personal friend Patreon supporters, Javier, Kenneth, Jared, Zeb, Mark, Blair, Allison, and Jeff. We also give thanks to Chad and everyone else in our Patreon family. Revenue from our incredible supporters on Patreon.com slash 2000inch allows us to continue doing what we love, which is making fantastically fun, fun, funny, family-friendly, and pet-friendly Weird Al podcasts for you each and every week. We'd absolutely appreciate your consideration in joining our pretty stinking majestic Patreon family for as little as $1 per month. And remember, all of our Patreon supporters at the $5 and above tier get to join us at our incredible two-year anniversary concert starring Trevor Strong of the amazing Arrogant Worms on Saturday, May 8th. If you're not a Patreon supporter yet and you want to attend, be sure to sign up now to reserve your spot. This spring, we will begin airing our series of bonus episodes where we sit down with John Bermuda Schwartz and go page by page, picture by picture, inch by inch through his book, Black and White and Weird All Over. Time is running out for you to grab the book if you want to be able to follow along with those episodes. Plus, it's a great gift to give someone to celebrate Wednesday! And it also makes a great gift for National Grilled Cheese Sandwich Day on April 12th. Patreon supporters get to hear all bonus episodes early, so there's yet another reason to join our Patreon family. And looking for another way to support the podcast? Head over to shop.2000inch.com for official Dave and Ethan's 2000inch Weird Al podcast t-shirts, tote bags, mugs, tank tops, face masks, pillows, and so much more. Find us online at weirdalpodcast.com or 2000inch.com where you can find information about our guests and listen to past episodes like episode 81 inch where we interviewed Jason Thiessen, creator of the cheese sandwich character and director of the My Little Pony Friendship is Magic 
Magic animated series. Please join our Facebook group by heading to group.2000inch.com for episode discussions and other exclusive content. And be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at 2000inch and visit us at youtube.2000inch.com. Be sure to share your posts and tell your friends to gill and chill. We love it when you leave us voicemail via our 27-hour-a-day podcast hotline, 347-SPATULA. You might even hear your message on the air. You can catch our show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or the podcast app of your choice. Whichever one you choose, be sure to hit the subscribe button so you do not miss a single episode when they drop every Wednesday, Wednesday, Wednesday! Thank you once again to our guest, Joe Miller, as well as UH Jeff Nucera, Chad Kelson, a.k.a. Metal Al, Chris Sear, Dustin Jablonski, Jackson Scoggins, Jake Larson, Joe Jaffa, Johnny O'Hearn, Vincent Anderson, Kenneth Gwinnup, Zeb Lemke, Jason Alchill, Allison Parsons, David Grant, a.k.a. Sebastian Shepard, a.k.a. MC Chalkskin. And thank you to the Grammy Award-winning Jim Kimo West for our incredible theme song. And thank you to Weird Al Yankovic, as this podcast probably would not exist without him. And a big thank you to all of you, our listeners, subscribers, Patreon supporters and sponsors, and everyone else who made this episode and podcast possible. Next week, we will hear the bone-chilling conclusion to Joel Miller's incredible three-part interview. And next week, that would be on a... Wednesday! That was Dave and Ethan's 2000-inch Weird Al podcast. Episode 101 Inch. The greatest podcast in the entire fathomable universe. Spit on Gopher. 50 cents. Spit on Gopher. You don't win anything. It's, it's just uh, spit on Gopher. It's for satisfaction of spitting on Gopher.